0: You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, we are going to have a good time today, man. I'm so glad you guys made it to church today. And you know, especially glad uh, that you came if you're a spiritual investigator and maybe a friend invited you to church so that you could... Um, kind of observe some Christians in their natural habitat. Now, a little bit about me for just a minute is that uh, when I first started really trying to walk with God, you know, uh, there's a difference between, like, having your ticket to heaven and really going for it and really walking with God, you know. And I was a teenager when I really started trying to walk with God. And the spiritual environment I was in, uh, the church I was in, They were all about, like, having me get rid of all my, like, rock and roll albums and stuff like that and, like, burning them and getting rid of them. It was something about backward masking. Like, if you would take those, like, vinyl albums and play them backwards, it would, like, say the devil or Satan or something like that. And so over the years, um, I've met some Christians, maybe you have too, who see that the devil is in, like, everything, right? Like, if someone's sick, it's a demon, Someone's depressed, a demon. Someone sneezed, a demon came out. Uh, You know, Kawhi Leonard wants to be traded from the Spurs. Clearly a demon, right? (laughs) Everything. But you know what I've noticed over the years, what I've learned? Is that there's someone who can do me more damage than the demons. I believe in spiritual warfare. I could tell you some stories on that. But I think there's someone else who can do more damage to me than the demons. And that one looks a whole lot like me. And I want to introduce you today to to what's called the head. And the head represents what the Bible calls the flesh or the old sinful nature. And see, the head is like a master of spin. It could uh, really misinterpret every little interaction you have. So uh, when someone doesn't text you back immediately, the head goes to work and speaking into your mind, right? See, they don't care about you. They don't love you. Maybe they're just busy at work, right? Or like the, the boss walks by you at work and doesn't say anything and the head goes to, to work, doesn't it? Like the head's all, uh, well, the boss just walked by you, right? And didn't say a word to you. You know where he's going, right? He's going into the human resources office in order to fill out the paperwork for your firing. And pretty soon security's gonna be coming and they're gonna escort you out of the building with your personal belongings. And once you get out of the building, uh, they're gonna leave you and the hitman is waiting for you out there to kill you and destroy the body no, maybe the boss was just walking by. You know, the, the, the head is really good at cut downs, you know, cutting other people down. And the head will give you just the right thing to cut someone down. But the head is also really good at cutting you down. So the head will speak into you like, dude, look at your dad bod. I mean, your stomach is protruding. What are you pregnant or something? You know, it's like, Look at your bowed, skinny legs. You could fly an airplane between there, man. It's like, look, look at those eyebrows. What do you, you have? Caterpillars on your forehead? You have the same ones, man, you know? The head also knows how to take advantage of your deepest wounds, doesn't it? So it's like, you're divorced, you're damaged goods. Who'd want to be with you, you know? The head also sees people as objects, like fresh meat, you know? So, guys, you go to the beach, and you're trying to keep your gaze straight ahead. You're there with your girlfriend or your wife or your family, and you want to keep your eyes pure, you know? But bikini woman walks by, and you know what the head does? Just keeps on looking. And he says to you, come on, man, take a look. How about a hamburger to go with that shake, baby? Yeah, come on. See? And you know, you're laughing because you've got one of these too. I'm not the only one, am I? And the Bible explains the flesh, the sinful nature in Romans chapter 7. Take a look with me at uh, verse 21 there. It says, I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. A slave to the law of sin. And you know, there are some Bible interpreters, and there's a stream of theology that would say Paul in Romans 7 is actually talking about his life before he was a Christian, and that Christians can actually get to a place where they can live out perfection in this life. But I would beg to differ with that interpretation. In fact, Romans was clearly a letter written to believers. And you read in verse 25 that we just read, Paul said, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the language of believers. In fact, the whole New Testament was written to us because of believers who were trying to overcome the sinful nature, the flesh. That's why we have most of the New Testament. So um, let me give you a little background on Paul and maybe it'll help Uh, help us in our understanding of thinking about the old sinful nature in the flesh. Uh, Paul grew up around Tarsus, and there was a particular tribe that lived around Tarsus, and they had this really strange way of punishing murderers. They would take the dead corpse of the murder victim and literally tie it on to the murderer and let that body decompose on the murderer until it infected him or her and killed him. And I think that's part of what the head wants to do, is it wants to decompose and uh, contaminate us with its lies uh, in our heads. And so um, we can overcome it with a simple declaration. And if you will apply on Monday what you've learned on Sunday, this one declaration will revolutionize your thought life. And it's simply this. The head is dead. The head is dead. And so when you're tempted, when those thoughts come to your mind that tempt you to look at things you shouldn't look at, consume things you shouldn't consume, what do we want to say? The head is dead. Would you say that out loud with me with passion and conviction? Ready? Here we go. The head is dead. Remember that tomorrow when those thoughts start coming your way, when you over-exaggerate because of the flesh, how your boss feels, how someone that you uh, interact with, feels about you, remember the head is dead. Uh, so when we're interacting with the head, we, we don't want to like poke it or we don't want to just headbutt it, but we want to reckon it as dead. Look at Romans six eleven. It says, count yourselves what? Dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, let me show you a couple of truths about the head. Number one is when Jesus died, on the cross, the head was defeated. Look at Romans 6.6. 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin, like we just sang. A minute ago. And so when Jesus Christ died on the cross, a death blow was delivered to our old sinful natures. But look at truth number two the head is ultimately defeated, but will continually try and influence you. And I think a legitimate question that you may have is well, man, if the head was killed when Jesus died on the cross, then how come I'm still dealing with temptation? You ever think about that? Because a lot of you are believers, and uh, for some of you, you thought, well, how come. Uh, now that I've believed in Christ, I'm trying to walk with Christ, that I still have all this temptation in my life and it's still strong in me. Uh, well, it's like this. Uh, have you ever been hunting, some of you? We're in Texas, right? We've got a lot of hunters here. I'm not much of a hunter, but every once in a while, uh, these friends of mine that are hunters let me tag along. Well, I went with these friends who were feral hog hunting. You know about those feral hogs? I mean, they're big, gnarly beasts, aren't they? Some of them are very they could be dangerous. Like if you come up on them, they have these big old teeth, you know, and these things will put the hurt on you, won't they? Well, I remember one time I went with these friends and this one friend, like he shoots this hog. And here's what was interesting to me is that when he shoots the thing, it doesn't just fall over, but those things can run for like two or three, 400 yards before they fall over and die. And even when they lay over. They may not be dead. So the hunters, when they approach them, they don't get too close to their mouth or anything like that. You know, they don't like mess around. They poke it with a stick or with their rifle or something like that to make sure that uh, the hog is really, really dead because those things are very dangerous when they've been wounded, aren't they? Well, here's what happened at the cross. The death blow, the bullet was delivered. And now our sinful nature is in that time between when the death blow was delivered and when it falls over and dies, see? And so we can declare that what? The head is dead, right? We can reckon it as dead and neutralize it in our lives. But here's what I don't understand is that a lot of us as believers, and I do this too sometimes, it's like sometimes I feed the head like I'm trying to nurse it back to health, by what I consume with my mind. You ever see that documentary film, Supersize Me? Morgan Spurlock, for 30 days straight, he ate McDonald's every meal. He went to McDonald's and he ordered, and every time they would say, you want to supersize it, he said yes. And he ate McDonald's every single meal for 30 days. And that film made such an impact on our culture that McDonald's actually had to change their menu. What he did during those 30 days was he experienced these problems like liver problems, fatigue, mood swings, and he was asked to stop the experiment by all three of his doctors as well as his girlfriend because during that 30 days he gained 24 pounds, he had headaches, his cholesterol shot up 65 points because we become what we consume, don't we? And so I used to work with teenagers a lot, and I remember uh, working with this one kid, you know, and. Uh, he always watched, the, like, the slasher horror movies, right? And uh, I'm asking him, well, well, how come you think that you're so afraid all the time and you have these violent outbursts, <laughs> you know? Because he's always watching these slasher films or whatever. Uh, you know, uh, how come you're always depressed, you know, and you're, like, listen to country music all the time, you know? And he's just like... Um, <laughs> You know, you talk to that kid that, like, uh, shops at Hot Topic all the time and listens to too much Depeche Mode and emo music, and it's like, why am I so depressed? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea, right? But uh, I, I don't want to, like, start creating some legalistic rules about what shows we can watch and what kind of movies we can watch here because we have freedom in Christ, right? But you know one of the things that I've noticed about myself is that sometimes I start to feel bummed out, and it's like my spirit is anemic, and my spirit is weak, and I think about what I've been consuming, I look at how many hours i spent on my Netflix, you know, and there are times where I have to say, nah, you know, I don't know that I want to nurse the hog back to life, but I think what I need to do is spend a little time in God's Word and some time in prayer and make sure that I'm listening to sermons and podcasts and things like that. They're going to build me up and make sure I have some good balance in my life as far as what I'm Consuming, You know, look at Philippians 3. Paul talks about this in verse 18. He says, For as I have often told you before, and now say it again, even with tears, and he's writing to believers here, and look at the next part. He says, Many believers live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Why? Because their mind is on earthly things. See, Believers who have their lives in this life destroyed by the head because we have our minds on earthly things rather than that which is heavenly. And you know, uh, one of the points of this message today is not so much that we want to just destroy the head and its influence in our lives, but the reason we want to destroy the head is so we can experience more of God. It's not about what we're not doing, but it's about what we're gaining in Christ, the greatest treasure, the greatest reward in this life, more of God's presence. In our lives now, uh, in order to neutralize the head, we have to receive truth in our lives. Right? We know this. Um, truth will come down four different avenues, all that are based on the Bible and the truth from scriptures. And number one is this: outside help in recovery. There's this step where we say we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. And here's what the head does: the head says, "Well, you really don't need other people. I mean, if you just you just stay by yourself and things are going to be all good, but nothing could be further from the truth. We need each other. And that's why we work so hard around here uh, to have tribes that you can be involved with. In fact, today we have tribe leaders outside to help you get connected to other believers that will encourage you and speak truth into you. Um, So the head will try and deceive you into thinking you can do it by yourself, but truth comes down the second avenue, and that is brutal honesty. I didn't know how else to say that, but we've got to have people in our lives that speak the truth into us, even when we don't want to hear it, you know? Do you have someone like that in your life? Or does everybody in your life just tell you what you want to hear? Do you have a bunch of cowards in your life that just kind of puff you up all the time and never pull you aside and in love with a good heart's motivation say, you, you know, Maybe you gotta think about what you're consuming so much of in your life. And I'm not telling you this because I wanna judge you or anything like that, but I'm telling you this because I love you and I don't want that it had to destroy your life. And we've gotta maintain an environment of brutal honesty in our church too, you know? Because some of us have been in religious environments or spiritual environments or listened to, you know, Christian radio programs where they act like they're being real transparent, you know, but I would call it gloss. And it's like the guy will stand up there and say, oh, well, I feel so convicted because I skipped my Bible reading this morning. Boy, do I feel guilt and shame. And we're all thinking to ourselves, is that the worst thing you've done in your life? Really? Is that really what you're dealing with? Or maybe are there some other things in there that you're just glossing over that need to be brought out into the light, see? But the third avenue of truth is the root therapy. Ladies, that's not like some new shampoo or something like that, but root therapy, what what we mean by that is drilling down to the root causes of pain that causes us to sin. So oftentimes, as you drill down the layers of your own soul, the reason that you act out spiritually is because of an unmet need at some point in your life or an unhealed wound or a pride or a fear. And we have to pray over and deal with the roots of our behaviors, don't we? Not just the outer expressions of sin, but look at the fourth avenue of truth. We embrace our identity in Christ. When you know who you are, you know how to live. There's a woman uh, in our church and I'm gonna tell you her story today under a different name. We'll call her Mariana. And she writes her story when she says, when I was six years old, I was sexually abused by my cousin who was in his 20s. He wouldn't let me out to play with the other kids until I performed sexual favors. Mom said I wasn't allowed to tell anyone. He ended up molesting all the kids in the family, both boys and girls. In elementary school, I had a neighbor who was a Christ follower, so things started to look up. This neighbor would give us clothes and invited me to a Christian event where I accepted Christ. I wanted Christ in my life because he would never leave me alone like mom and dad often did. I received a lot of positive attention from my dad, which made me feel special, but all that was wrecked when he snuck into my room at night and sexually molested me continually. It was so traumatic I would freeze, hoping it was just a bad dream. And the same thing was happening to my sister. I never really wanted sex because the past abuse made it feel gross. And although I didn't want it, I felt like I had to have sex with others to get love. I would abuse alcohol to numb the gross feelings while sexually experimenting with men, porn, and other women. I felt like I was dragging God around to bars, bedrooms, and the back seats of cars. I didn't think I was pretty enough for a man to keep me around, so I'd go on shopping sprees and spend money that I didn't have looking for the perfect outfit that would make someone want to love me. I would steal makeup at the store in hopes that it would make me pretty enough. Since the pain wouldn't go away, I contemplated suicide. I went to the hospital and got the help of a counselor who prescribed me sleeping pills just to get through the night. About that time, I was introduced to Peel the Onion at City Church. I healed up enough to quit taking the sleeping pills because I realized God is there with me and there's no reason to be afraid. At Peel the Onion, I heard others talk about being abused and I realized that I wasn't alone. I had huge amounts of anger and shame, but I made this important decision rather than dragging God around on all my sexual exploits, shopping sprees, and substance abuses, I was gonna trade places and allow God to lead me. Peel the Onion gave me the tools that helped me avoid the old patterns. Gave me a tribe, people with the same spiritual goals. It gave me accountability. So before I go out and spend money, I call someone to hold me accountable. Before I go out on a date, I call someone to hold me accountable for my purity. I receive skills to identify and deal with root causes of my behaviors. I embrace my new identity in Christ I am a healed, loved, restored woman of God. Right on? Yeah. She goes on to say, I deserve to be held. I am not dirty. I am not gross. I am not a victim. I don't have to sin by watching porn or participating in sexual sin. There are so many of us who have been molested, have slept around and stolen. We had no hope that those memories, those lies we were telling ourselves could stop torturing us. Peel the onion helped me stop the lies of the enemy that were being whispered into my ear. Peel the onion helped me get rid of that knot in my stomach when I used to see my dad. Peel the onion helped me change my old patterns so I can shine and be happy today. See, that is a woman who learned to say the head is dead. See, isn't that good? And you know, Mariana's story turned significantly when God put a Christ follower in her life who invited her to a Christian event where she could hear the gospel. And I can't help but think that God brought Someone here into this room today or into the video cafe to hear what we call the gospel. You know what gospel is? The good news. We all know we've sinned, that's the bad news, but the good news is God did something about it to help us, you know? Can I describe the gospel by use of a story? Story about a family that went on vacation and they were driving along in the car and a bee got in the car and that wouldn't seem like a big deal to most of us but the little girl in the backseat of the car in that family was allergic to bees and if she were stung by a bee, she could potentially die. So her dad pulled the car over and he cupped that bee in his hand and held it in there until it stung him. And those of you that know about bees, once the bee leaves its stinger, it's no longer a danger, is it? And so the dad could release the bee with no problem. And look what Jesus did on the cross was he took the sting that comes as a result of our sin. He takes the sting that happens at death. That's why Paul said in the Bible, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, where is your sting? See? And so if you want to receive the gospel, you simply trust that when Jesus Christ died on that cross, he was taking the sting of sin on your behalf. So with that in mind, how about we bow for prayer? And if you would like to invite God into your life through Jesus Christ today, I want you to just talk to him in your own heart right now. And you may say something like this, hey, look, God, I know I've sinned, but right now the best I know how, I choose to believe that Jesus took the stinger for me when he died on the cross. So Jesus, welcome into my life now. Thank you for loving me and coming into my life. I receive you wholeheartedly today. Come in. Heal my wounds. Start me on the journey with you. Father, I want to thank you for those who just now prayed that and had a significant experience of you. They were born again. Born afresh anew into the kingdom of God. Protect their hearts. And as we continue in prayer, I think we need an opportunity to, just as we're sitting there before the Lord, acknowledge that the head is speaking into many of us right now, and we didn't even know that was what was happening. But these negative feelings keep coming into some of us, don't they? And some of you know it. And some of you can even identify the very things that the head is saying to you. And so I want us to practice what we're going to do in prayer and in our thoughts this week. And at the appropriate moments, I want us all to make the declaration that the head is dead. Are you ready? So the head's saying to some of you, you're always going to live with money problems, you're always going to be poor. What are you going to say to that? The head is dead. Nope, I am not because I'm gonna trust God with my resources. See, some of you have been led to believe by the head. Well, you've always felt a sense of anxiety, anxiousness, or depression, and you're never gonna get over that. It's never gonna change. What are you gonna say to that? The head is dead. God is giving me peace, and I'm going to endure in Christ. Some of you have these thoughts from the head, something like this. It's like, you're sitting at home alone and you've worked hard and you're tired. And the head says, hey, just spend a couple of minutes on that porn site. Just just a couple of minutes, it won't hurt a thing. And you know it's gonna lead to hours when you have that temptation, what are you gonna say? The head is dead. I'm not going to put any impure thing before these eyes. Some of you are tempted in this way. It's like you're thinking the head's telling you, you've struggled with that addiction for years and you've tried a bunch of stuff to get over it and nothing seems to work because you're just destined to have this problem, this addiction for the rest of your life. What are you going to say to that? The head is dead. No. No. I'm going to endure because my freedom may be just right around the corner. My breakthrough is going to come because of my position in Christ. Some of you are hearing this from the head. You don't deserve love at all. What are you going to say to that? The head is dead. No, the truth of the Bible is, is that I'm loved by God. John three sixteen says, if I just believe in him, he, he so loved me that if I believe him, I have eternal life. He loves me. He cares about me. Some of you are hearing this thought. You're dirty. You're nothing but a dirty girl. Dirty boy. What are you going to say to that? The head is dead. No, I'm clean in Christ. First John 1, 7 says, I'm completely cleansed, clean in Christ. Some of you are hearing this thought. Well, because of your background, you're like a child of evil. What are you going to say to that? The head is dead. I am not a child of evil. I am a child of God. John 1 tell, 1, 12 tells me that as many as receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's what I am. The head's telling some of you, well, you've always been afraid. You're just a coward. What are you going to say to that? The head is dead. I'm not a coward. Second Timothy 1.7 tells me that I'm courageous in Christ. So I'm about to step up to the plate head because you are dead. Others of you are hearing this. Well, you know, all you are is just a little victim because of all the things that have happened to you. And so you just need to put your tail between your legs and go hide somewhere because you're just a little victim. You're gonna, never going to do anything with your life. What are you going to say to that lie? The head is dead. I am not a victim. Romans tells me that I'm a conqueror in Christ. Others of you are hearing this. You don't have any future. That relationship that you're trying to get into, it's not gonna work. You don't have any future of relationship. Nobody's gonna love you. And your career's not gonna make it. Your workplace, your business is not gonna make it. You don't have a future at all. So why don't you just give it up? What are you going to say to those lies? The head is dead. Because the Bible tells me in Jeremiah 29:11 that God has given me a bright future and a hope. And so, Father, we thank you that the death blow has been delivered. And the head is in the process of falling over and dying and not plaguing us for all of eternity. But in the meantime, we choose to keep making the declaration that that head is dead and that we are alive. In Christ, and it's not just about the head dying, but it's about me coming to more and more life in you God, and experiencing more of your presence and your love and your power and your passion and your grace and your mercy and your ability to change this world with the power of the gospel. So we thank you for what you're doing in us and among us. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. everyone said. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.